Life Audio. Welcome to the Real Refreshment Podcast. Join us as we dive into motherhood at the foot of the throne with your host, Rachel Carmen. If you are tired, overwhelmed, and feeling alone, this is the place for you. A place for real moms with real stories seeking real refreshment found only in the living God. Take a minute to visit rachelcarmen.com and join the community of Real Refreshment listeners who are taking the dare to be in the Word as a top priority in the journey of motherhood. All right, let's kick off this latest episode of the Real Refreshment Podcast. Here's your host, Rachel Carmen. Hello, everyone. I am back to finish part two of the series we started last time. With real refreshment, I wanted to get back to some definitions on this topic since this is called the Real Refreshment Podcast. I wanted to make sure we were on the same page. I actually mean that literally. I don't just mean it as a really cool name. I believe that we can find real refreshment for our souls in the person of Jesus Christ. And last time we were together, we talked about defining real refreshment, what it is and what it's not. It's not the wind chasing options that the world offers. We actually looked at some options like spirituality or vacations, power, emotions, addiction, wisdom, children and family, communications, efficiency, security, safety, adventure, excellence, screens, comfort. And that's not an exhaustive list. And even today, as we pick up on part two, and if you haven't heard part one, part two will make a whole lot more sense if you'll go over there and listen to part one. That was just the previous episode to this one. I want to ask you a few questions as we are like in the middle of this dive into what real refreshment really does look like. And I've got lots of scripture passages for you today. So once again, my goal in the time that we spend together, I want you to want, not just to get to know God better, but I want you to want to get into his word and dig out these truths for yourself. I want you to want to get into Bible study. I want you to be so excited and so intrigued and interested in what we talk about here that you want to get even more engaged and get out your own Bible and start doing your own study. But as we start today, sort of to get us into that place where we were at the end of our episode last time, I want to ask you some questions. What part or which one of the three primary characteristics or issues I talked about last time that we all tend to wrestle with, these feelings of loneliness, of exhaustion, and overwhelm, which one of those resonates with you? Which one of those do you feel like is really where you are right now? It may be a nasty cocktail of all three of them at once. I certainly felt like that as a young mother. When all of my kids were shorter than me, I felt like it was that trench work time where I was really the only one that could get anything done, right? That's hard. And I felt all of those in combination. I would not have been able to tell you that one of those was more than the other. They were all three just threatening me, or at least that's how it felt. But maybe you're in a different life phase, or maybe just given your own unique life circumstances, one or the other of those three just seems to be it. I just want to tell you that I have found in my own walk, in my own journey, in my own life, I have found it to be incredibly powerful to name what it is. What is it the thing that I feel I'm really fighting against? And so 
It may be one of those three. It may be something else. There may be another word that really captures it for you. Those are just the three that I listed last time. So which one of those really seems to be the thing that you're fighting the hardest right now? And then I want to ask you, where do you feel like you are? Are you in, are you going to a well? Are you headed towards something that you're hoping will fulfill you? Are you like the woman we talked about last night, last time on John four with that empty jar going to a well and you think what you're going to and you think you know what you're going to try to get, right? Is that you? Are you in a wilderness where, boy, you'd love to have an empty chart well to take somewhere, but you're in a wilderness and you don't even know which direction to head? Are you maybe on a mountaintop? It's great when we're there, right? We have examples of that in scripture. We'll talk about some of those, hopefully in upcoming podcasts, specifically about when Jesus took Peter, James, and John up onto the mountain of transfiguration. We'll talk about that. And those mountaintop places are truly glorious, and they are times of great blessing and peace. And they are times, I will go ahead and say now, that we really need to take in the view from there, right? Is that where you are? Or maybe you're in a valley, right? You find yourself in a place that's deep and dark, a place that you would not have chosen to be in, a place that you do not want to be in, a place where perhaps you can't see your hand in front of your face. I get it. Been there. Um, Hard, hard, hard places. And yet we know that God never leaves us or forsakes us. So even there, we know that he is with us. But, you know, which, what is it that you would say is the thing that you're facing that's the hardest for you now? Where do you feel like you are in relationship to what that is? And where do you want to be? Where would you like to be? And also, what do you feel like you've been chasing after? Have you been chasing after God? I mean, it could be, let me be honest with you. There have been times in my life when I felt like I was in a valley or a wilderness and I really felt like I was really trying to set and rest in God and chase hard after him. And I still felt like it was a wilderness. I still felt like I was coming up dry. I get that. And we're going to talk about that today some, or perhaps In a moment of honesty, you would dare admit that perhaps you are doing what we talked about last time, and that is chasing after the wind, like Solomon talked about in Ecclesiastes, chasing after the things of the world, chasing, daring to believe the lies that the enemy floats of all of these other things, anything else but God. Perhaps you know, you know, listen, I've had this too. I've had times where I knew exactly I knew exactly what God would have me to do. I just didn't want to. I just didn't want to, right? And very often the enemy floats that. He operates in the area, women especially, of our emotions and can pick us off. And all of these wind chasers that he offers, all of these empty promises that he offers, he offers them as the remedy for all that ails us. Look, if we just chase after this, if we just pursue this, it's going to fix everything. That's the promise. That's the lie. He promises that if we chase after these various winds, after these various lies, that they will soothe all that ails us, that they will bring us satisfaction. The enemy dares to promise us that if we will just let these winds rule us, 
if we'll just let our emotions rule over us, if we will just dare to chase after the wind of our hearts every whim and let them be our guide, that all will be well. And I just want to tell you, those are lies. None of that is true. That is the enemy working overtime to kill, steal, and destroy you from the inside out. We must seek the real refreshment that comes only in the person of Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, wind chasers came and were called often idols. Idols are anything that replace God's rightful place in our heart. God, the Almighty, the Holy, the preexistent, true and sovereign of the universe, the only one and only God who sits on the throne. God with a capital G. But when we dare to dethrone him, when we dare to seek to replace him off of his rightful position as Lord and master of our hearts, minds, and souls, when we put anything there but him, we adopt little gods. And that is known in the Old Testament and even now today as idolatry. When we seek to allow anything else, when we chase after anything else but him, anything in his place but him, we are indeed practicing idolatry. And we can know it's idolatry, right? We can know the difference between real refreshment and wind chasing. Listen, real refreshment lasts. It lasts. It is not something that comes and goes. It is not short-lived. Real refreshment matures us. It grows us. And I will be brutally honest with you. It pains us to practice pursuing the things of God. Becoming formed and transformed into the image and the likeness of God's son, Jesus, is not going to be painless. It's not going to be painless. You and I are going to need to dare to kick out the idol of comfort and dare to lean into the transformational power that is the real refreshment that God offers in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, and practice self-discipline. Real refreshment satisfies. It doesn't make us more thirsty. It doesn't make us crave wrong things or seek after wrong things. Remember many, many years ago, Lay's Potato Chips ran an ad that says no one can eat just one. And you know, they're right. You eat one of those Lay's potato chips or a salty pretzel or whatever you want to put in there. You can't just have just one. I've heard it said more than once that sin will take you farther and keep you longer than you intended, right? I know that on more than one occasion, I love chips and queso, right? And I think I'll just have a couple, right? And I end up at the bottom of the bag, right? That, that one took me farther and kept me longer than I intended. I didn't intend to eat the whole bag of chips. I didn't mean to, right? And yet, that is the tantalizing part of the sin that the enemy can entice us into, right? And that's not what God offers. The real refreshment that God offers satisfies our souls. It nourishes us. It nourishes us. It's not empty. It's not hollow. 
When you follow hard after the thing of God, when you drink deeply from the living water that he offers you, it nourishes you. It sustains you. It's not an empty filler. It's exactly what you need. Real refreshment strengthens you. It gives you the strength that you need to do it again. Mom, you need strength in your everyday job. And at facing another diaper, wiping another runny nose, you need strength to get up and do it again. And real refreshment that you can only find at the living waters of Jesus Christ. It gives you that strength. It gives you that strength that you need. It doesn't drain you. It doesn't drain you. Yes, what you do every day as a mom, what you do every day over and over, rinse and repeat, it is definitively exhausting, but you don't have to be exhausted. You see the difference? Yes, what you do is tiring. Yes, what you do every day, it can make you very weary, but you don't have to live weary. You can live in the strength that he provides in the real refreshment that he offers. And yes, real refreshment is exclusive in its source. Jesus is the living water. There are many alternatives offered, but they are only that, cheap alternatives. They are not, as Coke would say, they're not the real thing. The real thing. That's why this is entitled real refreshment. It's not fake It's not a stand-in. It's not a wannabe. It's the real thing in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, as I seek to throughout this podcast and all of our studies together, I want to make sure that one of the things that we always remember is that the biblical narrative, 66 books, is one story. And it all interconnects. It all supports each other. It doesn't contradict itself. It complements itself, and it all underscores the same narrative of God's love, of his goodness, of his holiness, of his faithfulness, right? From beginning to end, from Genesis 1 all the way to the end of the book of Revelation. And we find here in Jeremiah, in the first Uh, The second chapter of Jeremiah, he, the prophet Jeremiah, says, um, speaking for God, in Jeremiah 2, verse 13, the prophet declares this, God speaking, for my people, God's people, have committed two evils. Get this, what are the two things that God says his people have done to sin against him? Number one, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living water. Do you see the connection here all the way in the Old Testament? A major prophet, Jeremiah, is talking prophetically about the living water that Jesus offers the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, the unnamed Samaritan woman, that Jesus went out of his way. We looked at this last time in chapter four of the gospel of John to sit down by the well to meet her and to do what? to offer her living water. The prophet Jeremiah in the Old Testament is talking about this. And God is declaring declaring to his people, you have sinned against me. And the number one thing you have done is you have forsaken me. I, God, I am the fountain of living water. And what have you done? You've forsaken me, the source, the fountain of living water, and you have dug for yourselves cisterns. 
broken cisterns that cannot hold water. So God here is saying to his people in the Old Testament, forward to you and I today, this this echoes across the ages, that we are given to forsaking God. He's the source of living water. He is what we need. He is the real refreshment extended for our soul's thirst. It's him. But what do we do time and time again? Look, I want to tell you that if you find yourself chasing after the wind, if you find in a moment of clarity that you have sought to put a different God on the throne of your heart, that you're chasing after the wind, that you're chasing after the world, all of those things that the enemy sets up as these masterful distractions to get your attention away from the things of the Almighty, if you are doing that, you are doing what has happened across the ages. This is what the enemy has been in the business of doing since the dawn of creation. You can go all the way back to the fall in Genesis 2. In Genesis 2, the enemy comes into the garden seeking to distract Eve from what? Focusing on God. Adam and Eve were created perfect in God's image, placed in a perfect environment in the garden. Look, you and I were made by God in his image to do what? To worship him. To worship him by stewarding his creation. That's what we were to do. We were to multiply as creatures in his image. Multiply and glorify him as we multiply. That's what we were supposed, that's what the whole thing is about. And the enemies of our soul are the enemy of our soul saw that and he was like, Yeah, no, I don't like that. And he sought to just get Eve distracted. And what did he do? He came in and he planted seeds of doubt. And mom, listener, that's what he does to you and me. Doubt in the ways of distraction. He seeks to distract us with wind chasing. With all of these other things, often things that we think we can get our hands around, tangible things, right, that we then substitute for the Almighty. And all the way back here in the book of Jeremiah, God is warning his people going, yeah, no, it's not going to work. That is not it. Broken cisterns, dysfunctional cisterns are incapable of, of holding water. They cannot hold for you what I can offer you, God says. They cannot. They absolutely cannot. They are not the source. They cannot satisfy and they are not your savior. They cannot save you. They cannot. You and I were created for a relationship with God. We were broken by sin. That breaks our relationship. It puts a barrier between our ability to relate with the almighty God. But, but God, through the gift of his son, sent a way for us to be reconciled with God through the blood of his only son, the perfect lamb of God, Jesus Christ. He is the source. He is our satisfaction. He alone is our savior. So now I want to look over to the words of Jesus himself. 
our satisfaction, our source, and our Savior. I want to look over into the book of Matthew 6. Now, this is a beautiful passage. We won't have time to look at the whole thing, but it is so powerful. This passage that we have here to look at just briefly in the few moments that we have left is right in the middle of the longest sermon that we have in the biblical narrative delivered by Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. So we're going to be looking at Matthew 6, 25 through 34. And here in this passage, Jesus himself acknowledges what? That you and I are going to be given to fear in this world. Especially moms, you and I, we're going to be given to fear. We are going to fear things. We're going to be fearful of missing out. We're going to be fearful of failure. We're going to be fearful of imperfection, not doing it good enough, not doing enough. We're going to be fearful of being behind. We're going to be fearful of not being up to par, not keeping up. And these fears give way to anxiety and can give way to panic. Do you see the progression from fear to anxiety to panic? Rinse and repeat from fear, anxiety to panic. And we know studies and reports recent in recent days are telling us that we are a fearful people. Moms, you and I, we worry. We have anxiety. We panic over these things. And there's this progression, right? And I'm just going to tell you right here and right now, that is not the life abundant that Jesus came and promised us. It is not a life of fear. We are not to fear the world. We are only to rest in the fear, the right awe and wonder of the almighty king of the universe. That, him alone, are we to fear. And in fearing him, we find peace. Because see, when we lean into the fear and the doubt that the enemy extends to us day in and day out on all of these different distractions that he floats in front of us, guess what? It only exacerbates our loneliness, our overwhelm, and our exhaustion. It doesn't find us peace. It doesn't find us any peace. So I want to look at this passage. Jesus specifically mentions, if you read through the whole thing, I don't have time to read through the whole thing. I do hope that you will. Again, Matthew 6, 25 through 34, he talks about fearing what you're going to eat and fearing what you're going to wear. And then in verse, the end of 29, he says, oh, you have little faith. Oh, you have little faith. God is saying here to the mass crowd, oh, look around. I take care of the birds. I take care of the birds. Don't be of so little faith, he says. Do not worry, asking then, picking up in verse 31, what you will eat or what you will drink or what you will wear for clothing. For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. Gentiles, you could interject there. The world worries about all of these things. Jesus is like that. Don't don't worry about the things that the world worries about. Mom, don't worry about the things other moms worry about. For your heavenly father knows that you need them. You know, last time we were talking about the unnamed Samaritan woman at the well. And I 
emphasize the fact that Jesus saw her and that wherever you are today, mom, listener, wherever you are today, you need to know that God sees you. He sees you in your circumstance. He sees you in your house, your car, wherever you are today, he sees. And the emphasis I want to make to you today is he knows. He does not only just see where you are, he knows what you need. And and I'm talking here about a higher need than the world wants that, again, the enemy tries to distract you by is all these things that he stirs up within you and me, these desires that we want based on the world's standards and desires. No, 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 no. Your heavenly father knows what you need. And like I said at the end of our time last time, you know what you need? You need him. You need him. And he knows that. And he knows what fruit of the spirit, Galatians, what fruit of the spirit you need. He knows what it is that you need. And it says he knows all of the things that you need. Picking up in verse 33, it says this, but... Seek first. This but is represents a change in thought. You you want to worry. You want to fear. You want to be anxious. You want to panic about all these things that the world chases after. But it says here, but but don't do that. Don't do that. Instead, do these three things. And he lists three verbs. Three. uh, uh, I'm sorry. He lists one verb here. One verb here. I'm going to pick up three from another passage. He, he says here, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then he makes a promise. And all these things, all these things that he sovereignly knows that you need, that I need, all those things, all those things will be added to us. Don't miss it, mom. Jesus is saying all of these things that the enemy wants you to worry about, all of these things that he wants you to be distracted by, Jesus says, look, I want you to look at me. Focus, focus, seek me, seek my kingdom, seek my sovereignty, depend on me and my righteousness, my holiness, and all of those things that you need will be added to you as you do what? As you seek me. Now, the second packet passage I want to go to, this is Jesus talking again. And you just look over just a few pages in your Bible. Go over to Matthew 11, verse 28 and 30. And here we're going to pick up, we're going to end up with four verbs, four things that you and I can do as we seek and endeavor to pursue this real refreshment that is offered in the person of Jesus Christ. We're going to pick up Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. Jesus says this, Come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Do you hear it? Everybody who's tired, everybody who's overwhelmed, everyone who feels like they're going under, everyone. What does Jesus say? He says, Come to me. Don't chase after the wind. Don't do that. Don't do that. Come to me with it. Come. Mom, all those things 
that you think you need. All of those needs, real or imagined, real or distracted, right? All of those things, Jesus says, bring them to me. Bring them to me. Don't try to take them out into the world and get them fulfilled out there. Don't do, don't, don't do that. Bring them to me. All your weariness, all your exhaustion, all of your burdens. You know, in First Peter, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. All of that. Jesus says, bring it all to me. All of those things that are weighing you down. All of those things that are overwhelming you. Jesus says, come to me. Bring them to me. In exchange, get this, second verb in this passage. First, come unto me. Second, Jesus says, in exchange for all of those things that are weighing you down, all of those things that are on your shoulders, that are threatening to take you under, in exchange, I want to offer you my yoke. I want to offer you my yoke. And what is the yoke? Now, that I don't know if you've seen a yoke lately. I was at a barn dance earlier this fall, and they had up on, displayed up in the barn, a yoke. And I'm just going to tell you, that thing looked not only uncomfortable, but incredibly heavy. But here's the deal. The yoke is a position beside Jesus. What he is asking us here is to take our position beside him. Do you know what so often wearies wearies us and wears us out? We're trying to do it by ourselves. We're trying to do it all alone. We are so convinced that we're the only one who cannot get it all together or carry it all, right? That we try to do it ourselves because we are trying to maintain an image that we've got it. Guilty. I've, I've done that. And I just want to encourage you in the words of Jesus right here, don't do that. He's offering us to be yoked with him, a position beside him, yielded, submitted to him as we are yoked with him. Third verb in this passage, and learn of me. Learn of me, Jesus says. Stop chasing after the knowledge of this world. Stop trying to get a handle on all of the things that this world values. Stop being distracted by all of these things that the enemy is floating by you constantly. Set your mind on things above. Colossians 3. Set your heart on things above. Jesus says right here, learn of me. Get to know me. Mom, do you know him? Do you know him? Because we are called to trust and obey him. And many times we are hesitant to do that. And let me tell you, trusting and obeying him becomes a pleasure and an honor the more and more you know him. The more you know him. And right here in this passage, he's saying, learn of me, get to know me. And then he tells us two things about him. For I am gentle. And humble in heart and gentle. Jesus is assuring us here, look, I'm not brutal. I'm not cruel. I'm not tyrannical. I'm not oppressive. That's a huge, big, fat lie that Christianity is oppressive. There is freedom in Jesus Christ. Why? Because in him, we are free to be what we were created to be. We're not fighting against what we were created to be. There's freedom in that. There's freedom in that. 
And Jesus is saying, look, I'm gentle and I'm humble. I came to serve you. I came to help you. Jesus says in the New Testament, later on in the book of John, he assures his disciples that I'm going to go away, but the helper is going to come. The helper is the Holy Spirit. And as a believer in Jesus Christ, he indwells you and me and helps us. Mom, do you need help? Do you need help? That's the promise. That's the promise we're given here of the helper. And then there is the reiteration of the promise he's already made. He has already promised once in this passage that you will find rest. And a second time, he says it again, you will find rest for your souls. For another reiteration, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. There are four between those two passages in Matthew 6 and again in 11, four verbs for you and me, four verbs that we are going to actively focus on here at the Real Refreshment Podcast, and that is seek. We're going to seek God together in his word, through Bible study, through prayer, and through worship. We're going to seek him. Secondly, we're going to come to him together, hopefully, And I hope that you'll continue to come to him when we're not together at this podcast every day. We're going to take our position as his chosen child. And moms, we're going to do it again. We're going to rinse and repeat. We're going to lean into where he's got us. And we're going to serve our families. And number four, we're going to continue to learn who he is so that we can become who he has created us to be, that transformational process that he has each one of us in. I'm going to dare you here at the Real Refreshment Podcast to follow hard after him, to dare to be humble, to be faithful, to be diligent, and to be courageous. Here at the Real Refreshment Podcast, I'm going to dare you to focus outward and upward. Outward on your neighbor and upward on God, that we would love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourself. And finally, I'm going to dare you to fear the Lord and him alone and not chase after the wind of the world. Okay, moms, listeners, that's it for today. I look forward to joining you here every time we can take time to be together. I'll talk to you next time. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you have a question or comment, we invite you to send it to info at rachelcarmen.com. And while you're at Rachel's website, check out her wonderful resources, including the Word in Motion Bible curriculum. We want to take a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. Moms, more than ever, we really do need each other. We need to be challenged, and we need accountability in the Word. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you in the next episode of The Real Refreshment Podcast. What do you do when your world is falling apart? How do you march when it would be easier to stay where you are and die? Join me every week on the March or Die podcast, and we'll discuss that and so much more.